Welcome to Bowling Prevention Podcast number eight. We're looking forward to talking today about what you can do if you're being bullied. And this is not for kids. This is for parents, for educators, for any kind of instructors or people that work with kids. But it also could be for kids. So if you're a kid and you're watching this, that's great. And parents, you could have your kids watch this and we can talk about exactly what they can do. But I really want to encourage this to be for the adults or caregivers or people that work with kids or educate kids so that you can have some ideas and things to do and not really just ideas, but give you a step-by-step method so that you can help kids work on what they need to do to help them when they get bullied. Now, bullying is a complicated thing. And let me start out by introducing myself in case somebody hasn't watched some of the other podcasts. This is the first time that you've uh, you've uh, seen us. And maybe you skip right to this one because you wanted to know, oh, I don't care about all that other stuff. I want to know what to do. Well, I'm going to summarize a little bit of what we talked about so far so that you can't do that. But my name is Greg Moody. I'm Dr. Greg Moody. I'm an eighth degree black belt chief master instructor, and I've been working on bullying prevention for, geez, probably 15 years now by the time that uh, from my I've been doing it for about 30 years, really, in in the work I've done with kids and in the work I've done in psychology and in martial arts and in uh, working with kids directly. Um, my background is I've got a PhD in education, a master's degree in counseling, and uh, my PhD in education is uh, also in counseling psychology. So I work with, a uh, specialty is working with kids, and that's all my uh, doctoral work has been in that. So it's important to know that that's kind of my space to come from. That's what I what I really am passionate about and love. and what I am passionate about is two things is preventing bullying, but also understanding bullying in a way that you can you can you can make concrete so that if you don't understand bullying, then you won't be very good at at preventing it. You'll make a lot of mistakes because you'll miss some of the common myths. You'll miss MISS, some of the common myths, M-Y-T-H. Uh, that are out there about bullying. And what people think is common sense is almost all wrong about bullying. So watch the other podcasts. And as we go through here, I'll summarize a few things that'll be part of our training that we do. We've done a lot of this training with hundreds and hundreds of kids, if not thousands of kids, I think across the country, the people that I've trained have done a lot of this work in various ways. Uh, Some of this will be new for them, but it's going to be a little bit different for maybe them, even if they're watching this podcast. So, so a few things about me, you can see some of my podcasts also on drgregmoody.com and see my books at amazon.com slash author slash Greg Moody. All right. I don't have Dr. Laura or senior master Laura Sanborn here today, but we'll uh, muddle through and we'll invite her to be at one of our next things. So bullying is something that is intentional this is a couple of things with the definition. And when we when we do work with kids, we have to make sure that when we're asking them about bullying, we understand the difference between conflict, which is another thing that I uh, am passionate about and specialize in. Conflict resolution, bullying, and violence. So these are three separate things that need three separate solutions. If something is violent, this means by our definition that we're gonna go by today, it you're in danger 
of serious injury or death. Okay, so if something's violent, it's not the other two things. It's not conflict resolution. It's not bullying. You're in trouble. And you then need to do some self-defense. And this may mean uh, escaping. This could mean fighting back. There's a whole range of things. And since I'm an A3 black belt, we teach a lot of martial arts, but there's other forms of self-defense that you can use. Um, I like escaping as a first rule, but there's lots of other things you can do. If you're in danger of serious injury or death, I want to emphasize that's not bullying. That's not conflict resolution. So that's, that's not what we're going to cover today. So you've got to know the difference between these things because you can't use the same tools. These are three separate tool sets. There are three separate toolboxes that we're going to use. In the violence situation, when bullying becomes violent or when conflict becomes violent, you've got to change, you've got to shift into violence prevention, violence recognition, and self-defense. So this is very different um, all the way to an active shooter event, all the way to uh, other types of defenses. And we have a, a great company that I do work with, which is Forma Strategy, that does wonderful work with active shooter, workplace violence, and other areas of violence that would be we recommend and we do some training with that. So we're not going to cover that today, but it's important to know the definitions. Violence is when it when it progresses and you're in fear of serious injury or death. Conflict resolution is when two people are having conflict and it's peer-to-peer -peer or it's it doesn't meet the definition of bullying. So let's just say for now, for our definition, it's not bullying. Bullying is three things. And conflict is when it's not bullying. So let's, we're going to use that definition. I, I don't like to use a not definition, but let's, let's use that because it'll, be, it'll make some sense in a second. It's intentional. to hurt so it has intention to hurt let's just say intention to hurt there's intention to hurt so conflict i might hurt you i might hurt your feelings i might make you mad i could even injure you because if we're in conflict and we got in a scuffle again i'm not in danger of serious injury or death we might have been wrestling over something, but I wasn't trying to hurt you. I just wanted, if I was a kid, I wanted that toy. Or, uh, you know, we were um, we were trying to get on the elevator and really mad at each other if we're adults. And as that happened, somebody got scratched or somebody got a small injury. It's not really serious injury or death. I wasn't trying to hurt you, but I was too emotional and things just got out of hand. It's not bullying. It didn't meet the intention to hurt criteria. I wasn't trying to hurt you, but I was being, a, maybe I was being a jerk, but I wasn't intending to hurt. So this is very important. The second thing is it's repeated. 
over time. And I'm going to put in usually. Because this could be something that would be small. It's intended to hurt, and I do it regularly. I'm doing something mean every day. I'm doing it mean every day. I'm doing it something small, but mean every day. Now, if it was something severe one time, that would qualify under bullying. The third thing that's very important in our definition is there's an imbalance of power. So let's talk about that. In an adult environment, it would be your boss or somebody that might write um, a report on you or somebody that uh, it could be even even in a work environment, it could be somebody that's got a uh, that's bidding on a contract. You're trying to bid on a contract and the person that's making the decision on the contract could be bullying you. That would be an imbalance of power. Maybe they want some favors or maybe they want they're being very mean to you and rude and abusive on the phone you know, there's not, they're using their imbalance of power to get some leverage on you. So imbalance of power. And in our other podcast, we've talked in some more detail about how this all matters. Conflict wouldn't include, now you could have imbalance of power. You could have conflict between you and your boss. If your boss isn't intending to hurt you, it's just a miscommunication. We use conflict resolution tools. Um, it could even be, let's, use husband-wife relations. There could be an imbalance of power there because one person may be a little stronger than the other. Shouldn't be that way. We should have kind of a, a balanced balanced relationships. But that in reality, there may be a situation where there's an, there's an imbalance of power for one reason or another. And, uh, but there may not be an intention to hurt. Doesn't mean there couldn't be bullying in a, in a, uh, personal relationship and adult relationship. So there could be, but it's different tools we use. Conflict resolution also isn't our topic today. We'll come up, we, uh, you, can, you can look at some of our conflict resolution podcasts. You can look at uh, drgregmoody.com for them through Form of Strategy, and uh, we do some work with, uh, with people on that. Bullying is different. Bullying is going to need different rules because if there's an imbalance of power, well, why do we need different rules, first of all? If there's an imbalance of power, we, we may not have the capability to just negotiate. We may not be able to use certain tools that we would have if it's peer-to-peer. -peer. We may not be able to be reasonable with the other person that we have, um, that we have a conflict with. It's not the same. If it's intention, if the intention is to hurt, not just to get resources or not just to um, win an argument or some sort of other thing, then it's an emotional difference. So bullying has a lot of different components than these other two pieces. So conflict resolution and violence are diff use different methods to get through. Okay, so first we have to establish before we deal with bullying, is it bullying? And I've been in lots of environments, especially when I teach bullying prevention, where the first thing that happens is some event happens and somebody calls it bullying, and usually it's not. I was teaching at a school in Tucson, Arizona, and the principal walked in. The principal should have been in our training. And the principal said, 
hey, there's a bullying situation. I've got somebody stealing posters off the wall that another kid put up. Was that bullying? It sounded like one kid was just vandalizing and the other kid didn't like it. I don't know that the first kid had anything to do with the second kid. I don't know that there was any intention. Or now there might have been. There might have been a long-term conflict, the other first, the second kid, but it could have been that the first kid and the second kid just had a big fight with each other. We don't know what the situation is. So we don't know. And there's certainly, I didn't, I didn't notice that there was necessarily an imbalance of power. So that would have probably been likely, my guess is that would have been more in the conflict resolution stage. They needed to have those kids sit down or they need to just deal with the kid that was stealing the posters who sounded like the problem and have there need to be some consequence for that kid. Probably didn't even involve the first kid. The first kid kind of got, you know, the, the bad end of the situation because his posters got taken down. Yes, he was the one that was the... Um, recipient of the bad situation, but there wasn't really any relationship between them as far as I could tell. So there wasn't, there didn't need to be this, the same kind of interaction. So we, we need to understand this first, if we're going to be good at helping kids. Remember, about a third of kids are involved in bullying. So if we don't understand this, we're missing out on a lot of situations. If you remember our last podcast, 4% of parents think their kids are being bullied from our data. And, and for the martial arts group, 27% of kids were getting bullied. In the general population, about 14% are getting bullied, but about two thirds of kids are bullying or involved in bullying. I'm sorry, one third. One third of kids are bullying in one way or the other. So this is a big deal and most people don't understand it. And that's why it doesn't get identified. For teachers, remember our other data, only about 10% of bullying gets recognized. So. This is kind of the, this is the, the reason why. All right, so let's talk about what to do. That's what we're here for today. The first stage, now I'm gonna give you some categories that you can work with your students on, kids on, um, or if kids, you can, you can work on these things too. But we're gonna, I'm gonna, Put this in terms of what you can do as a parent and what you can do as an educator to work with your kids. So one of the first things that you would do is work with them on how they think. Now, some of this comes a little bit from, in, in by the way, do a little bit of work. We may end up doing a little bit of work on cognitive behavioral therapy here it, when we were talking about this with kids. But the first piece of it is how they think. So chapter one or part one of this is how kids think. And the first piece of this, when we talk about how they think is, is make sure that they know what kind of areas if we're, now this is, by the way, all this training is for kids, whether they're being bullied or not. But if a kid's being bullied, what do you do and how do you help? But ideally you're talking to your kid about this or your kids, if you're an educator, I'll, I'll, I'm going to use the educator framework for this for the most part, parents, you could, you're going to adapt this for your individual kid. You talk to your kid about your kids about what kind of places and what kind of areas they should be thinking about that bullying happens. So number one is what scenarios. So 
first thing in the think category is what scenarios might happen? What things are bullying? What things aren't bullying? And that way you can help them with the definition. What's what's bullying and what's not? So where do you think bullying should happen? Where do you think bullying should not? Sally, where do you think uh, what do you think bullying is at school? And they may or may not know. And you can help them, but ideally you'll get them to tell you. So scenarios, come up with lots of scenarios and we'll get, we can give you some examples in uh, when we write this up in a book for you, but there's lots of scenarios that may happen. Um, I'll give you some examples um, in bath. Uh, well, I'll give you some examples of locations in a second, but um, one of them is uh, swirlies. That'd be a scenario. You guys know what that is. Um, in some schools, they get dirty swirlies. I can, you can imagine what that is. That's when there's poop still in the toilet. Uh, other scenarios where kids are getting pushed or hit or yelled at. We've covered a lot of these in our prior podcasts of, uh, uh, of uh, um, relationship scenarios where kids get left out. Kids don't get excluded. Kids don't get included in games. Um, there's cyberbullying that can happen and what what types of different scenarios can happen there. So without spending a lot of time on that right now, pre-framing scenarios is one step so that kids get to think about it. Another thing to do is what are different spots? So scenarios and spots, what are spots that might be more likely to get bullied? Where are places like the um, where are places on the playground where kids get bullied? And you can just ask the kids, where do they, where do other kids bully kids on the playground? Oh, it's behind the big tree where the teachers aren't, or it's in the bathroom where there's no cameras, or it's over here in this part of the playground, or maybe the teachers are not really, they're congregating in a different place. When we do training for teachers, we talk about how they can be distributed around the playground. So they make sure they find, uh, they, they can identify where bullying can happen and where discipline issues would happen as well. So it's not just about bullying. A lot of times we do we survey and test data before a uh, school, uh, before we work with the school. So we know where the bullying's happen as well. Um, hallways, bullying can happen. Um, and mainly where there's not as much adult supervision. You would think, and if you heard from our prior podcast, you would think that bullying often happens to and from school if they walk to school. A lot of kids don't walk to school now, but very frequently bullying happens in the classroom with the teacher present. So knowing when that's happening, knowing where that's happening, you might find out that your kids are being bullied or that some of your kids for educators are getting bullied. The third thing is, so scenario spots, and the third thing is focus. So awareness and focus is how they can keep as they think, their eyes up and look for some of these things. So if you know what bullying is and you know where it's going to be, then you can focus on it. So scenario spots and focus, this is the first step to being able to prevent bullying. So that's the first part of thinking. The second part is um, one of the things with focus and spots is also focus on kids, maybe that have a bad reputation or that you know which kids are also, um, which kids are bullying other kids? Do you know the kids that are bullying other kids? Who does it? Now, if you're an educator, that may be a little awkward in the classroom because it may be one of those kids. So you may have to figure out a way to ask that question in a way that's not going to call out other kids 
because the, the kids may not want to talk about it. The second piece of thinking, so this is, this is your cognitive. And the second piece is going to be your physical part of thinking. Now, what's physical part of thinking? Is going to be breathing. And in and hold your breath and out. In, hold your breath. And we're just going to call this four by. And this comes from a lot of things. You could, in the military, they call it tactical breathing. But in uh, in counseling and psychological work, they'll just call it uh, four by breathing. And if you breathe in, hold your breath and breathe out in order to control it, it does a lot of things for your body. It helps calm you down. It lowers your heart rate. And it helps you make a decision more clearly. So breathe in for four. Hold for four and out for four. This is helpful for lots of things. It's helpful for sports. It's helpful for uh, test taking. It's helpful for lots of other things. So you can get away with helping your kids do four by breathing uh, for many, many, many different scenarios. So you don't have to paint it as a way to do this for bullying. But when you do, when you are talking about bullying, if somebody, if somebody's upsetting you, if somebody's pushing you, if somebody's doing something that you don't like, breathe in, hold, and breathe out. And I just did it, and I modeled it for you, and that's how you would do it. You could also prompt breathing by role-playing bullying situations. So you could have kids stand up, and somebody could say something to them. We like to use your purple because uh, that's not a really like a mean word, but you can tell them, imagine the worst thing somebody would say to you, but don't say it. And when they imagine that, you can say, well, okay, we're not going to say those words, but imagine somebody saying it instead, instead of saying that, they're going to say you're purple. Well, and kids usually laugh when they, when they hear that. So I'm not going to say that, but imagine when they say you're purple, it's really one of those bad words. And then they can pair up and say, you're purple, and they've got to breathe. they got to do the four by breathing. Or they can do, um, in a classroom setting, I wouldn't have them push each other. In uh, other settings, they could. Um, if you're a parent of a kid, you could push your kid and just gently, just slightly, just really touching them, and they can breathe. Uh, and kids could lead that drill, and they could walk, walk around leading the drill. So this is a way to thinking. So you've got cognitive and physical. And then the last one is choice. So what would their decision be? So their last thing is decision. So that's the last part of think is they have scenario spots, focus, they breathe. And these are all drills you can do with them. Obviously, you're not training them to remember all these like a, like a, like a mnemonic or anything of that nature, because um, I'll come back to this. But um, you, these are just different drills and you read through these as you, uh, or make some notes on these and practice them. The decision, what would they do? So they've got different decisions they could make. One would be to walk away. Um, they could, um, they could change what they think and we'll come back to that. And then that's our main category here is change what they think. And the last one is get support. And the support could be from their friends or from their teachers. Now, if you're an educator, you've got to have the right 
idea here. It's easy for you to say, um, come to me if you anybody bothers you, but that may be counter um, counterproductive for them. If they if if somebody's getting bullied and they come to you as a teacher, that may end up putting them in the crosshairs. So we've got to figure out a situation where that they know that if they do come to you, that the process in the school is not going to keep the kid that comes to you safe. That's when we develop a whole big program. And I do recommend the Olveus Bullying Prevention Program. When they develop a whole big program to make sure that the, um, the procedures in the school are correct, then when a kid comes to the teacher and says, hey, this is happening, then the process is set up such that that kid doesn't get in tr trouble with the other kids later. So we want to make sure that the kids know. And if you're a parent and you tell your kid to get support, tell you or tell the teacher, we have to make sure that we know what to do. In a later chapter, we're going to tell you as parents what to do when your kid says, hey, something's happening in school. What do I do? Because you running into the school and causing, uh, you know, making a big, uh, you know, lighting some fires under everybody may or may not be the right thing to do. So we'll talk about how to do that in a way that you get a lot of uh, get good results from it. OK, um, so get support. Now, let's talk a little bit about the thought part. So the thought part, usually when we think stuff. You know, when we have when we feel really bad because somebody's uh, bothering us and your kid feels sad or upset or they get really anxious because they're getting bullied, it's pretty hard to to change that. And what we really want them to do is get support or get help. That's what we want them to choose to do. But when they're scared or they're upset or something's happening, it's it's pretty tough. And I want to give you a little tool here to use. And uh, you may, end, at the end, just have to give them support. I mean, what you do need to do is give them support either way. Um, in, the, in the middle of this, you can help them with this a little bit. But what, what parents or what, what happens in life for anybody is you have events like bullying and they turn into some emotion or some resultant uh, feeling that you have about it. In this case, you're getting bullied and you feel scared, anxious, sad, upset, you, you know, and maybe you're not telling anybody. Remember in our last podcast, we talked about 4% of kids, 4% uh, of parents are seeing or uh, noticing that their kids are getting bullied when in our sample group, 27% were. So that's pretty, pretty telling. And in here, there's a thought that goes on. Now, the thought might be for your kid, I better not say anything or I'm going to get in trouble. I better not say anything or the kid's going to bully me more, or I'm not good enough or I'm not strong enough. That's why the kid's bullying me. There's lots and lots of thoughts that happen. It's something to ask your kid and be okay with. And be careful about this. And counselors can help with this a lot. I recommend that. But what may happen is your kid could have a thought like, well, he's telling me this because he's right, because I'm not good enough. And we see this a lot with, with kids that they end up, they end up feeling really, uh, really bad about the, uh, um, the what's going on. And so they end up, um, you know, having continued negative thoughts about things and ask your kid how they're what they're thinking when they're when they're feeling this emotion this is pretty hard to dig out 
So be patient. And when your kid says something like, well, you know, I feel that way because I'm not, he's right. I'm not good enough. Resist the resist the feeling and saying, oh, of course you're good enough. Of course you're good enough. I don't know why anybody would say that. Why would you think that? Because when I say that to, to somebody, they now they're being told they're being stupid because they're being stupid as well because they shouldn't think that. So be gentle and patient with them and help them say, well, another option is you could, you know, replace that thought with something else. You know, you might think that maybe the bully is having a bad day, or maybe you replace that with, um, if I get, if I get help, maybe I won't feel so bad. So there's other options you could replace that with. Of course, we can help you with one of those if you contact us um, or what to put in there, what to help your kid replace that with. Instead of telling them, hey, that's, a, that's terrible. I can't believe you think that. It's pretty normal for people and kids, for all of us, to have some thoughts that end up causing some of these negative emotions. Okay, so this is from this is a little outtake from cognitive behavioral therapy. And I just encourage you when these thoughts come in for our kids and they they're getting bullied and they have some negative emotions. A lot of times this stuff goes on in their head and it's real and it's valid emotions. Doesn't mean it's right. It's correct. It just is. The emotions are valid because of what's happening in their head. And we need to help them with some other replacement thoughts and not get, um, not judge the thought that they have. That's pretty hard as a parent because we love our kid and we think they're perfect. And when they have thoughts that don't feel perfect, it's very difficult to not just tell them, hey, that's not right. You're, you're perfect and I love you and I want I want you to, I want you to know that you're the best thing ever. Sometimes that gets in, but if they're having these kind of thoughts, it may not. Well, let's stop with that today. That's our, uh, that's our topic of how to think. We're going to talk next time in our process about what to do next of how to act. And I hope that was helpful for everybody today and you have a great day and we'll see you next time.